Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My judgment, the economic consequences are so small, but the possible improvement in trade and exports and open markets for the United States, this is worthwhile doing. That's the gamble. That's the gamble. To me, the biggest difference is uh, in the United States, we have an election every couple of years and politicians are uh, answerable immediately to the voters, whereas in China, they can wait a long time. And you don't have a media intentionally whipping up fear and angst, some of which may be justified, but certainly not all. Gordon Chang joins us. Gordon is an author and columnist, a uh, an authority on Asian affairs and a realist. You can find him at Gordon G. Chang. Uh, he's also a columnist at the Daily Beast. Gordon, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you, and thank you so much. Oh, it's our pleasure. Why is the Trump administration willing to endure the pain of tariffs, the controversy, et cetera? What is the goal? Well, there are a number of goals. You know, President Trump talks about evening out the trade deficit. Um, But also, we've got to remember that the tariffs in question are imposed under Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974. These are remedies for the theft of U.S. intellectual property. And China each year steals somewhere between 150 to $600 billion of U.S. IP. 
probably in the three to four hundred billion dollar range. Uh, this is a grievous wound to the American economy, and we've got to stop it. So um, that's why we have what people call a trade war. And by the way, the Chinese have been waging this trade war against the U.S. for decades. We've been oblivious. Um, and fortunately, we have a president who is now willing to take the Chinese on. Previous presidents have not been. Yeah, it reminds me, it's a, the economic version of uh, when we were attacked by al-Qaeda. And, uh, hey, look, they've been at war with us for decades. We just ignored the fact that they were at war with us. Same thing with this trade war. China's been in a trade war and, and, and kicking our ass for years, and now we're finally responding. Yes, well, that's that's absolutely true. You, know, you look at the persistent theft of U.S. intellectual property, also just violations of China's World Trade Organization obligations to the United States. Under Xi Jinping, the current ruler, um, both IP theft and trade violations have gotten worse, and obviously something has to be done about it. And uh, we can't think that we can get out of decades of misguided trade policy without cost. This will cost the American people, but it's a cost that we will have to bear. If we don't bear this cost, we're not going to have an economy of the future. We're not going to have a society of the future. Uh, We're going to end up exporting primary products to China and buying back manufactured goods. And by the way, some people say that that's a badge of colonialism. So I don't want to be a colony of China. Hmm. Gordon Chang is on the line. Gordon, the Chinese economy has has relied substantially on stealing technology, very strong arm tactics, uh, tariffs, uh, that sort of thing for a long time. How far do you think the Trump administration can push them? Um, how, how far can she go without causing such a shock to his entire system that, you know, the, the Communist Party collapses? I think China is in a very difficult position. Um, We've got to remember that last year, China's merchandise trade surplus with the U.S. accounted for 129.6% of its overall merchandise surplus. That shows amazing dependence on us. Also, we've got the bigger economy. We've got an economy that in reality is growing faster. And we're just not dependent on selling things to China, as the trade statistics show. Um, Xi Jinping doesn't face elections every... um, uh, four years, but he in effect faces an election every day because he's held responsible for this trade war. He's held responsible for who lost America. And the reason why I think he withdrew the commitments that he had previously made to the United States for trade was essentially because he realized that um, he does not have the power to exert his will on other people in the Chinese political system. I think China's in real trouble right now, especially because, you know, trade surplus countries just generally don't win trade wars. China is a surplus country. We're the deficit country. We hold almost all the high cards. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So, but back to my question, though, will will they put up with being made to fundamentally change the way they deal with foreign investment and foreign trade, or or do we just get you know an incremental victory and, and say, well, it's better? Well, I think that uh, right now Xi Jinping is pursuing this nationalist narrative going back to the opium war, you know, basically 19th century humiliation of China. And that makes it very hard for him to adjust. Um, So I don't know if he can actually come to a trade deal. I think we're going to see a long-term struggle with China, um, which will be obvious with increased tariffs. And eventually we're going to see the two economies disengage from each other. And I think, actually, that's quite a good thing for us, um, because long-term, 
Um, disengagement is the only policy that has not failed. So um, China is going to be is going to go through. You know, you very well may not survive. The Communist Party may not survive this. Um, but you know, we don't have a choice. We've got to defend ourselves, whatever the consequences are for Beijing. Gordon G. Chang is the author of Losing South Korea, a booklet released by Encounter Books in March of this year, author and columnist at Gordon G. Chang and at the Daily Beast. Gordon, it's always enlightening. Thanks very much. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate being on your air. Good to talk to you. Thanks. So yeah, how about He sounded that? like he meant that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a nice fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, well, doesn't mean he likes being on our show. There's a lot of nice people out there that don't want to be on our show. Yeah, granted, most of them. So uh, you got uh, you got Gordon there saying that uh, indeed, if we take it to the wall and hold our ground, this could be crippling for Xi and the Chinese Party. Did everybody follow that whole trade surplus, trade deficit yeah, thing? Yeah, that was interesting. They need to sell to the United States. We're their biggest, you know, customer. We stopped showing up to their soda shop. Soda shop. What is this? Nineteen fifty. Uh, what, what do you call it? Where you get the uh, like the Jamba juice? It's a smoothie. Vaping. If the we... vape shop. That's where. <laughs> no, not you show vaping. Show up to their, their head shop and do some All vaping. Right, fair enough. Vaping. Then <laughs> we stopped showing up and buying the vape pens because we buy a hell of a lot of vape pens. They go out of business. On the other hand, we run the uh, the smoothie shop. They only stop by once a month. It's fine. They stop coming. We'll be disappointed. We'll lose a little business. But so that's the relationship. But I he was very bold about how weak they are. I, I mostly agree with them, but we'll have to see. I'm still quite optimistic that we reach a good deal. But man, asking a totalitarian communist regime to stop commying on foreign companies and investors. That's that's a big ask. We shall see. Boy, speaking of trade, when you go into a yoga shop and you want some of the clothes, you need to give money before you stuff it into your purse, even if you're one of Dennis Rodman's posse. Dennis Rodman has a posse still? The daring Rodman heist. Or was it a heist? It was a heist. Or was it? <laughs> Next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Who's to blame for the Game of Thrones Starbucks gaffe? It's getting uglier. Was there a Game of Thrones episode last night? Yes, there was. So you got a 30-second recap at some point? I do. Fantastic. A lot of deaths? A lot of gore? <laughs> maybe the Spoiler. Maybe the most ever. Oh, oh really? no. Stop it. Wow. All right, don't say another word. I, I had one week... That I watched the episode live, I was so excited about it, and could listen to Sean's update, and then we were at the airport picking up my daughter last night, 
couldn't watch it, so I'm back on the la 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 train. Did, did anybody any more uh, Starbucks right, beverages show up in any scenes? <laughs> no, or any was... purveyor of coffee? <laughs> no, but there was a Dunkin' Donuts box. <laughs> oh no! Embarrassing on the back of a dragon. <laughs> The Khaleesi was just munching on donuts as she flies through the air on her dragon. All right. So you got you got your Dennis Rodman. I was just hanging out with some basketball fans over the weekend. We were talking about b- b- basketball, getting deep, getting in the weeds, about hustle plays and rebounders and, and guys, blue-collar players. And there was none better than Dennis Rodman, who was just, he, he was just, he worked and he worked and he worked and he annoyed the living hell out of his opponents to the point that they'd, they'd lose their cool and take swings at him. And uh, if you still watch it, you end of the game, Draymond Green is kind of sort of a Rodman-esque character. But anyway. And then he married Carmen Electra. And Madonna and, and several other women. Himself. And himself. And then a dude, then a dog, then a was he, sunset. Then was he married to Madonna or just dated Madonna? Just dated Madonna. I think they were just dated. But So anyway, he's, he's, he's a nut. He's always been a nut. And he's fallen on somewhat hard times, apparently. A Southern California, Newport Beach specifically, uh, yoga studio is accusing Dennis Rodman and several of those in his posse of stealing more than $3,500 in merchandise, including a 400-pound amethyst crystal. 400 pounds? Yeah. What's How big is it? I don't know. Big. It's large. I, I think like a large... Video. Like when you get like those mini trees inside of lobbies, like think of like the potted the pot that those things are in. Like a, that's big. Yeah. God, how yeah. did you even carry that? Well, poorly as it turns out. So uh, they uh, allegedly they entered the studio twice this week and stole merchandise and the crystal in the full view of the many high def security cameras mm. that this shop has, Good and point. you can. We'll have a link for you at armstrongandgetty.com so you can watch the security footage. It's as clear as day, said the uh, owner of the shop, and so do I. There's the gal stuffing clothes into her purse as Dennis uh, chats up the employees. Uh, Also, is Dennis on film stealing anything? He's the distraction man. Gotcha. He's distracting If Dennis Rodman walked in the room, he'd have all my attention. I'd be distracted. Yeah. And so that brings us back to the gigantic crystal, which is on sale for $2,500. And man, fooling their money. If you buy that, good for you. Good God. Yeah, I know it. Uh, One of the men in the group tried to move it, dropped it. The crystal shattered. There's your $2,500 crystal gone. And also it caused about $5,000 worth of damage to the floor. And that line made me pause for a moment. I've replaced floors. And I don't know if they had like a, you know, a ancient travertine mind from the banks of the Euphrates or something like that, or the tile. I don't know. That seems a little odd to me. Um, but so uh, there they are, thieving and moving crystals and the rest of it. TMZ caught up with Dennis Rodman at some sort of festival and, and, and grilled him on the charges. You guys left the store with more than 500 bucks in stolen clothing. No, 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 no. They, they gave you the clothing. They gave the clothes, yes. I don't need to steal So, he says... When people the, give me stuff, I stuff it in my pants when they aren't looking. That's just the way I am. Well, no, he walked in, and the owner says they, all of them were smellably drunk. Both times. You hate to be smellably, smellably drunk. Right, right. Usually drunk's a bad one. 
smellably drunk. Right. They, they stole from me, said the owner. The five-time NBA champ, five times, denied the accusation, said he asked the owner if he could have some gifts. He said, Dennis, get anything you want. Hmm. Rodman told a local TV station, I said, okay, great. So uh, he had his girlfriend just stuff her purse full while the other people weren't looking. So that's his girlfriend. How, do, how does she or, appear to be? I, I don't know. She's a uh, healthy young gal. I just wondered how she's doing, how he's doing dating wise at this point, as oh. his career is not what it once was. No, I'd, I'm not exactly sure what he can offer a lady right at this point in his life. And you know, she tries to kiss him, he might catch her like a, a bass with all the hooks and, and rings and stuff he's got through his lips. But um, he he went in. They they were happy to see him because it was good publicity and offered anything in the shop. Have your friend just load her purse full of anything in the shop. That's his claim. <laughs> the Newport police are investigating the incident. Uh, I have viewed the security footage, Jack, as I am an amateur detective. And uh, it, it, it's some odd behavior, I'll tell you that. Uh, apparently, the whole take anything you want uh, conversation, the, the employee working the desk is authorized to make that sort of deal with former NBA stars should they drop by. There doesn't appear to be any sort of formal uh, talks going on. Just Dennis striking weird poses and putting his foot up on the counter while his girlfriend fills her purse. So, so wow. He, you just think he was clearly trying to be a distraction while she stole stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah, or... I just wonder if this is where Dennis Rodman is. He was a big pop culture phenomenon. People around the world are around the world. I'm going to do one thing. Admire Dennis Rodman. Is he now at the point where they steal a couple of thousand dollars worth of stuff? I mean, what what are you going to do with that? The, How's that going to change your look life? Look at these guys here. Look at them. I'm looking. The only way stealing a couple of thousand dollars worth of stuff changes your life is now it's much worse, and that you're going to go to jail or you've got it on your record or whatever. Right. Yeah, either way. What are you going to retire? <laughs> you going to retire now that you got this two thousand dollar four hundred pound orb? No, I'm set for life. Really. Or you've got a bunches of yoga clothing that you're going to sell for tens of dollars. Or just wear? Hundreds of dollars, maybe. I, I don't know. The only ch- the only thing that's got my attention is the outlandish claim of the damage to the flooring. That could just be a little aggressive insurance uh, manipulation. Look at these guys here. Look at them. Well, I'm looking, Dennis. I've watched the video. Uh, this Ali Shah, who's the owner of the shop he might be, he's working it. Now, whether he set it all up and he set up Dennis and his friends, it's not inconceivable. Right. It's I, unlikely, but I, hope I, so can. I think I think everybody involved in this story might be a little slippery. I hope I can really? teach my kids that small-time theft is just the purview of the idiot. I mean, it really is. Or the drug addict. I mean, it's just, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna spend the, even if you get Eight thousand dollars. I mean, you're not going to retire on that, right? Right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. How about this? How's your wife? Is she fucking your ass every day? Really? Really? Ask your wife. Hard, hard to believe that that guy would fall on hard times. I tell you what. Yeah, I, I find myself thinking. If only I had that four hundred pound crystal, my chakra'd be all lined up. It's the it's the short term thinking of this will get me through the weekend. I guess when you steal small amounts like that, right? This will get us through tonight. We're going to well, party tonight. I have no other skills, so this is financial gain. Sometimes it's a little, sometimes it's a lot. You know, my first radio boss, first radio station I worked at, he said, don't nickel and dime me. 
This is what he said when he hired me. Don't nickel and dime me. If you can steal the transmitter, I'll applaud. But don't nickel and dime me. What? <laughs> well, either way. He actually Was said your that. life like a film noir? <laughs> he actually said that. Were you working for James Cagney or Humphrey Bogart? <laughs> don't nickel and dime me. <laughs> so what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, we got a trade war update. Trade war update. China firing back fiercely. Okay. Former SecDef Robert Gates surprising analysis of the leading presidential candidate. You'll like it. <laughs> and this month's coffee cure all or curse. Fantastic. A must-hear study. <laughs> if you can steal the transmitter, I'll applaud. All right. Uh, Well, I'll get started then. (laughs) This is the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. That uh, generic drug story on 60 Minutes last night. We're going to talk to someone about that later, but... um, we now know why generic drugs have been so expensive. We're going up so much, so fast over so many years. We're, gaming us. we're all being ripped off. That's what was happening. And they're bringing back rape charges against Julian Assange over there in Sweden. Yeah. So it might be harder to get him here to the United States than we thought. There are various folks pulling various strings behind various scenes with that story. No I don't kidding. know what's going on. No kidding. News now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the trade war rages on today. China issuing its own set of tariffs on American goods as the war escalates between the two countries. Chinese officials say they're going to set new tariffs of up to 25% on $60 billion worth of U.S. imports. Now, those tariffs aren't going to go into effect right away. They're set to go into effect on June the 1st. So perhaps we're looking at a little wiggle room here. Meanwhile, Trump warning China has been taking advantage of the U.S. for many years, and the past presidents haven't gotten the job done. And he also went on to suggest in a tweet that China may be trying to wait him out. The president tweeted Chinese officials might be waiting until 2020 and hope Democrats take the White House. Claiming that they might get a better deal with the Democrats than they would with him, China is dreaming that sleepy Joe Biden or any of the others gets elected in 2020, he writes. They love ripping off America. So that was one of the many tweets he sent out over the weekend. I wish his messaging was better, as always. The White House messaging seems to be haphazard, and as Jack phrased it earlier, depends on somebody on Fox News explaining it. Like Larry Kudlow? Uh, I I don't understand why he's not explaining exactly what we're doing, what we're trying to achieve, why the pain's going to be necessary, and and not say stuff like, you know, tariffs make uh, America rich. I mean... Tax money's flowing in, yeah, but it's not great for farmers and consumers. I think it's necessary. I think it's a good strategy. But, you know, I think we'd be better off leveling with the good people. Take a look at Wall Street right now. Positive Sean's one-word market update. The market is embattled. Embattled. Man. Embattled and under siege? Well, that's too many words. Former Secretary of Defense Robert Gates questioned the intellectual acuity of the three men in their 70s dominating the 2020 election discussion. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and Bernie Sanders. We've got Gates telling CBS Face the Nation. I think I'm pretty busy and pretty active, but I think I think having a president who is somebody our age... Uh, or older, in the case of Senator Sanders, uh, is, uh, I think it's problematic. I think that um, 
you don't have the kind of energy uh, that I think is required uh, uh, to be president. Uh, I think I th I'm not sure you have the intellectual acuity that you might have had in your 60s. Um, so, I mean, it's just a personal view. For me, the, the thought of taking on those responsibilities at this point in my life would be pretty daunting. Mm, That's something. Yeah, it's, it's, enough, it's not but, ageism yeah. on this question because polls show older people are every bit as worried about the age system thing as younger people are. Which makes sense. It's not like old 80-year-olds are saying, hey, 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 I can do everything I used to do. No, no, people aren't saying that. Right, right. And but yet, it doesn't seem to be an issue, really, so... We have the almost necessarily Republican candidate, Trump, unless he decides not to run or, you know, God forbid something crazy should happen. Yeah. Um, or And on the other side, your top two candidates are, are dang near octogenarians. Yeah, Biden's uh, currently 76 and uh, Sanders is 77 right now. Right. So. Now we have, you know, weeks to go before the first debates and many months until the first uh, primary elections, but... Uh, doesn't it have to say something about our system, though, that people that old are are making it to the top? Nancy Pelosi in, in charge in the House, and yeah, yeah. and there's something going on there. Yeah, it's well, they're very staid, hidebound is the the term. Institutions, they're just they're they're the establishment, but not even like sixty year olds. Yeah, I know. Which it's, for it's the private sector, you're thinking about retirement generally. We don't even we don't even hire sixty year olds. You got to be you got to be in your seventies. You know it's all well. Nah, it's, it's always been heavily weighted toward the senior members of the party in power, and now people are just living longer and healthier. Maybe that's it. Hmm. Maybe these are the sixty year olds of you know twenty five years ago. Hmm. Amazon, which is racing to deliver packages faster, is turning to its employees with a proposition. Quit your job, and we'll help you start a business delivering Amazon packages. The offer is uh, coming as Amazon is trying to speed up its shipping time from two days to one day for its Prime members. So Amazon says it'll cover up to ten grand in startup costs for those who decide to quit their Amazon jobs and start the business, plus three months' worth of their salary. I hope they get this going, because I need those gopher-repellent steaks immediately. Uh, that's right. Continuing to tear up my yard. Trade war, nothing. i got a yard war going on. It's me versus the gophers, and they're winning. I'm seeing more of the Amazon Sprinter vans coming out to our home. I don't know if that means anything. Less randos getting packages out of the back of their beat-up $800 car. Right. But uh, I don't know if that's anything. You here to leave something or steal something, just uh, <laughs> yeah, right. out of curiosity? Well, my friends, it turns out drinking too much coffee raises your risk of heart disease. We got a new study from the University of South Australia that found six or more coffees a day can increase your heart disease risk by 22%. It's because Six or more coffees a day is quite yes. a bit of coffee. Yeah. Well, how many how many uh, cups do you drink a day? As as always, Marshall, and I realize whenever yes. we get in your yes. studies, tensions rise. Yes, what's a cup? Eight ounces. It is. Yeah. Are I you sure? I don't think a coffee cup is eight ounces. I don't think a, a cup of that's, coffee is eight when ounces. When people talk about cups of coffee, that's usually what they're referring to. Is it really yeah. eight ounces? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good news for yeah. me. Anyway, so six cups. Yeah. Well, not me, but I'm trying to cut down on my caffeine. Gotcha. I got the hypertension. Ain't nobody got time for that. And caffeine, as you know, causes high blood pressure. Six cups which... of coffee is a lot of coffee per day. 
Okay. Yeah, so the fact that that could cause problems, yeah, sure. But there aren't very many people drinking six cups of coffee a day, I don't think. Anyway, six cups of coffee or more is uh, going to cause you to uh, possibly have a precursor to heart disease. So if you're drinking six cups or more, cut back. That's your cut news. Cut it out. Drink I'm, liquor instead. <laughs> yeah. So yes. according to Google, a cup is eight ounces. But according to Wikipedia, a cup of coffee is measured on the coffee maker is only about five ounces. Every brand of coffee I buy shows directions for one tablespoon per six ounces. There you go. There you go. So somewhere between six and eight ounces, I guess. Exactly, which is statistically significant. <laughs> there you go. That's if we're talking about a 22% increase in right. And okay. don't pay attention to any preliminary story coming out of one university ever for making any decisions you ever make. See University of South Australia. Mm, good for them. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I don't know if that's the Oxford of Australia, or if that's where people who can't get in anywhere else go to surf and smoke pot. <laughs> I don't know the University of South Australia. Um, sure. So I got a couple things. I got a book recommendation for you I wanted to hit you with. What are the other things on our plate? We do. We are going to talk about the generic drug story from 60 Minutes, which is really good news that that, that has been uncovered. Um, we now know why uh, the royal baby is named Archie, which I would only bring up if I thought it was an interesting story. Okay. Because trust me, nobody cares about royal babies less than I do. We mentioned this briefly earlier that uh, many, many people in the state of California will be denied electrical power every time the wind comes up as the uh, massive uh, utility out there, PG&E, tries to not burn people to death anymore. And uh, so their their answer is, instead of beefing up the infrastructure and making it last, they're just going to turn off the power for perhaps a week at a time. Which is insane. Which, that's, third, that's third world living right there. As you pointed out, that's like something that happens in Haiti. And I've come up with yet another nickname for California, the Haiti of America. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to see that on T-shirts. Or... Electricity starts going out for a week at a time. You will see that on T-shirts. All your food rots in your, your fridge and your freezer. And you're sitting there with no air conditioning, it's 100 degrees, it's going to feel a little like Haiti. You have to have a generator generator because you live in one of those countries where the electricity goes out so exactly. often. Yeah, yeah. I don't want electricity being a special treat. We actually, right, well said, Michael. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Oh, and uh, did Nancy Pelosi invite a radical imam to speak at uh, the House of Representatives? It appears, it appears that she did. Among other things, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I read that people spend $8 billion more on Mother's Day than Father's Day. This makes sense since brunch and jewelry cost a little more than scratch-off tickets and a six-pack of Coors. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Interesting in general that we spend so much more money on Mother's Day than Father's Day. I know we do in my household, and I'm not complaining about that. Just, uh, is that just the differences between men and women? Or? Yeah, I'd have to think about that for a while. <laughs> I'm afraid to say anything. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Different job. Both are both are incredibly important jobs. The devaluation of fatherhood in the United States will be to our serious detriment, as this already is as a society. 
So uh, a couple of book recommendations I wanted to hit real fast. This one isn't out yet. comes out next week, I think. A new book about the uh, revolution, the American Revolution, the British are coming by a guy named Rick Atkinson, who uh, has written Pulitzer Prize-winning history in the past, and this is supposed to be a really good Revolutionary War book, which I love those during summer, heading into Fourth of July and whatever. Um, and I watched a little book TV over the weekend in which uh, the guy who was uh, introducing the author said, my son is graduating from George Washington University next week and informed me that at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., you can get a degree in history a bachelor's degree in history, and not take one class on American history. How is that even possible? Wow. The self-hatred of the uh, academic yeah. class. Yeah. It, it's that, that whole thing is weird, which leads me to uh, this next book that I'm actually really getting to. I'm not sure I'm smart enough to read it. I might be more into watching his lectures about the book. We should have here's, this guy on. Hand. Just, just have it on your coffee table. <laughs> so people think you're that smart. It's called The Virtue of Nationalism, and it just won the Conservative Book of the Year Award. Uh, and I watched the guy speak over the weekend, and it was really interesting about what holds a country together and makes it work, makes society work, mm. and how you you need to have uh, something you all agree in. That is right up my alley. As I've been saying for years, diversity isn't our greatest strength. That's a silly thing to say. Unity is our greatest strength. Diversity is interesting and can be cool and helpful, but to say it's our greatest strength is just silly. And how this modern era of uh, uh, breaking off into all kinds of different groups by race, by income, by um, you know my aggrieved past versus your aggrieved past, and everything like that, and 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 having real hatred and blame for the other side is going to doom us all, which it almost certainly will. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I was wondering about the idea. His theory is that you know nationalism. Um, when if if our country is attacked, if there's a war, we're all in it together and willing to you know fight the war. Mm-hmm. Will, will we still have that today or in the future? Where if you had a certain part of the country attacked, would the rest of the country say, "I don't care, that's Trump people," or "I don't care, those are you know liberals," or "I don't care, those are white people," or or whatever, right? And uh, we're not there yet. We could be someday. Certainly. I heard a story this morning about uh, one of your uh, godforsaken African nations. I think it was the Republic of the Congo, where there's so much tribal strife and hatred, literally tribes, um, and they they kill each other and fight from time to time. That the, the Ebola out, the new Ebola outbreak, you'll have people go in and bravely trying to save lives, and they get attacked. They get a sh- shot. They get run out of town. Because they're just the wrong tribe, or they're from another town. We don't trust them. That's going to build your, your beautiful America? That's your quest for justice? It's insane. And the author's point is, um, while we're, he doesn't say we're there yet either, is that our university system is trying to take us there every day. That's what they work at, is to try to take us to that divided sort of, it's us against them within our own country uh, view of, of, of life. Right. Which is right. really interesting. Heard my favorite quote on that of recent days, uh, and and it was from Brett Weinstein, who is that professor from Evergreen College in uh, in Washington State. That he got run out of there by the wildly left social justice warrior Maoist youth. You know, it's funny. Back to that Congo story. It's not funny. It's it's relevant. 
this one gal is a doctor trying desperately to save lives, was almost hunted down and killed, and the people who surrounded her home were mostly teenagers. Because you can you can convince teenagers, college age, that the people that young get fired up really easily, and if you hit them with something that sounds righteous and important, you can get them to kill. And anyway, she escaped, thank God, but you know, I, I think that's relevant. But anyway, here's what Brett Weinstein said. Um, Higher education has become a transfer of wealth from the future earnings of the aspirational lower and middle classes to a metastasizing administrative parasite. Now, that's a whole lot of big words. I'd say. But you got this... Can you dumb it down for me? Angry, self-hating class of administration, administrators and and professors and all, all the people who profit from universities, they hold the kid's future in their hand. It'll cost you $45,000, $50,000 a year or whatever or crippling debt, but we will at the end hand you that piece of paper, keeping in mind that as that uh, professor pointed out we were discussing last week, the kids go into school uh, four, year late, four years later, a lot of them come out knowing barely more than, than they knew when they went in. But the metastasizing administrative parasite, having taken all that money, now gives them the piece of paper that says, okay, you're all right. And having indoctrinated them into some insane you know, ideas and doctrines, it's just, it's crazy. Alan Dershowitz is going big lately. Harvard, we talked about this before. Harvard has dropped this Ronald Sullivan Jr. from his role as a dean of a residential house He's been doing it since '09. He and his wife, who is also a law professor, I think, um, were dean of this residential establishment. Um, but he's been dumped because he joined Harvey Weinstein's legal defense team, the uh, disgusting pig rapist Hollywood mogul. But he gets a defense team, and that's, that's the what way this the country guy works. does. He's a, he teaches criminal defense. This is his job. And for doing his job, he's getting run out of his job at Harvard. Wow. Because the snowflakes believe bad people shouldn't get a, a criminal defense, apparently. And, and, and Alan Dershowitz, uh, you know, he was on OJ's team. Yeah. And I don't think right. he thought OJ didn't do it. He just thought that everybody gets, you know. Yeah. It's like he's not really the juice anymore. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> I had to do it. Sorry, a, a little intersectional victimization here. The couple had become the first black faculty deans in Harvard history when they took their positions at Winthrop 10 years ago. But a, they were out-victimed, apparently, somehow. And more than 50 students protested in February. So he was removed. So these are these are kids that are, in theory, among the smartest among us, although we now know that that's not necessarily true. Right, Since well, their parents might have gotten them a fake uh, sports scholarship, but uh, they're they're not smart enough to understand everybody gets a legal defense in this country. Ideology mutes intelligence every day, every day. The most dangerous person is somebody with above average intelligence who is ideologically off the deep end. That's the most dangerous sort of person. So uh, Dershowitz is out saying. This may be the worst violation of academic freedom during my 55 years association with Harvard. Any student who feels, quote, unsafe in the presence of Dean Sullivan and his wife does not belong at a university. Wow. He added, feeling unsafe is the new mantra of the new McCarthyism. It's an excuse for firing anyone from a Republican to a Muslim. You know what's the most scary part of this to me? Is Alan Dershowitz is like the only guy on the left standing up for this stuff. Right. Right. And when he's gone... 
There'll be nobody. Listen to this. Later, he tweeted, if the students who demanded the firing of Sullivan had been around in 1776, John Adams would have been fired as an author of the Declaration because he made them feel unsafe for representing the Brits accused of the Boston Massacre. Shame on these student McCarthyites. You got this one guy who's got um, both the, the, the testes and the heft, Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law Professor, to stand up to some of the, the things that are going on, whether it's the way Trump's being handled in the media or this sort of thing. And when he's gone, there'll be nobody because nobody's willing to stand up. for. I him. love that feeling unsafe is the new mantra of the new McCarthyism. It's an excuse for firing anyone. Well said, Alan. Well said. Boy, that is troubling stuff. If you get the next hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show, we're going to get into the why generic drugs cost so much. 60 Minutes has figured out, it looks like. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty Show. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.